Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited for this episode because today I'm joined by a fellow positive psychologist and the founder of the Flourishing Center, a benefit corporation that strives to make the world a better place by teaching people the skills of resilience and positive psychology. So naturally, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of topics today, everything from well-being and flourishing to developing resilience, also overcoming trauma and adversity, and living a life in the service of other people. So Emilia Zhivotovskaya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Max. Great to be here. Super excited to have you. So before we dive into talking about some of the signs of flourishing and how we can actually live better lives, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your backstory because it seems like the experiences that you made growing up um, were actually some of the you know sort of catalysts for your work that you're doing now. So can you share with us a little bit about you know your backstory and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that I, well, I would define positive psychology really focused on the science of both happiness and resilience. Happiness being how do we help people get to a life where they feel that many of the things that are happening are things that they feel good about, that they're passionate, that they are have purpose in their work, that they have a high level of well-being. And then the other half is that they know how to, that they know how to handle the obstacles and challenges that that come their way and i would say that those two very separate things both an interest in happiness and an interest in resilience were the pathways that brought me to positive psychology on the happiness side my first career started when i was 14 years old i got really lucky that i started uh mm -hmm. in this fascinating field which was actually as a party entertainer so yeah. i entertained kids birthday parties from the age of 14 to 26 i did bar mitzvahs and weddings and basically got to get paid to have fun. Wow, <laughs> that sounds like the best job in the world. <laughs> it, was the be it was the best job ever. Um, and, and just really focused on making people happy and, and found that I had this knack for putting a smile on people's faces and doing things that were, you know, involved music and games and getting adults to play and um, putting a smile on people's faces was my job. That's what I got paid to do. And so there's this always, you know, a little bit of a lingering question in my mind of, well, this is great short-term happiness. And you give people these boosts and they, their faces are lit up and they go home and they had a great time at the party. Well, what about lasting happiness? And how do we, how do we contribute to, to people's overall well-being? Um, so that was my first career before I came to positive psychology in 2006, where I did my master's in positive psych at the University of Pennsylvania. I was part of the second graduating class so back then, uh, you know, we would say that most people haven't even heard of positive psychology mm -hmm. today. So back then, 13 years ago, it was even more, um, even, even, even newer then. And back then, I had a real interest in wanting to study resilience. And resilience meaning how do people face obstacles and challenges in their life and move through them and bounce back despite the obstacles. Because I myself had experienced a number of things over the course of my life, my short life until then, and um, had been very resilient. And I was really curious to learn more about how can we actually help people do this better? How do, how do we help people take their own happiness and their own well-being and kind of take control in their own hands? Because in my life, um, I just sort of found that the things that happened, I just worked through them. So for example, my family immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was five years old. We left Ukraine, which had a number of things that were falling apart at the time. It was the fall of communism. There was some anti-Semitism that we were facing. There was um, being born 90 miles from Chernobyl and Chernobyl had blown. Yeah, good reasons to <laughs> move away. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so there's just, you know, the obstacles that a family goes through of coming to a new country and, and starting afresh. Um, and also we had some just life obstacles as a family. So my brother had passed away when I was 14 years old. He was 24 and he drowned in an accident. He was trying to rescue his fiance who was drowning and she survived, but he passed away. And that traumatic life event for my whole family led to a host of other obstacles that we then had to move through. So my, um, my mother got diagnosed with ovarian cancer two years later, something that we fought together as a family for 10 years. My dad became a diabetic 30 days after my brother's passing. And there'd been a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. And I had received this messaging as a kid growing up that I had this, this life where on the one hand, there were all of these obstacles. And on the other hand, I was, for the most part, really happy, really hardworking, really grateful for the things that I did have. And my family's obstacles definitely brought me into an interest in one saying, well, how do we, how do we actually understand resilience? Is, is this just something that I was able to experience? Or can we actually teach people that when difficulties and circumstances come up in life, that they can actually handle those obstacles better, with better grace, with with greater sense of resilience. And it also put me onto a path of well-being and being really fascinated by the mind-body connection. I very much intuited that it was the stress of my brother's death that led to my mother's illnesses. And I spent a lot, you know, hundreds of hours in hospitals and doctor's visits and treatment rooms and facilities and realized at that at a young age that there was a relationship between nutrition and well-being and you know when I was a kid it was like you don't you don't care what you do with your health and well-being yeah. it's like oh that can cause cancer but whatever and then when you actually see cancer when you when you spend you know four hours at a time watching a person get drip chemotherapy you really go okay like cancer's real and I want to learn how to take care of my body and help other people take care of their bodies so that they don't have to wind up in these painful, painful positions, especially if there are many of the diseases that we face that are lifestyle based that can be preventable. And so that really put me onto the two fields that I straddle. One is positive psychology and the other one is mind body medicine. And I bring the two together under the umbrella that there are science now to how people can thrive and how people can flourish and it has to do with teaching people how their mind works how their body works what we've evolved for how to get our basic needs met how to care for ourselves how to care for our relationships and um, so what i do is i take the science and i translate it into application of what people can do and i built the flourishing center in 2008 and we have been running programs and trainings since um since since we started and, and run a professional certification program to not just personally go out and share these skills and tools but actually train people to be also experts in positive psychology that can go out and teach this work and infuse their work with the science and so that's that's what we do yeah, that's really amazing. And there's, there's, there's so many great things here that I want to dive into a little bit deeper. Um, so first of all, at the age of 14, that seems to be this, this really pivotal year in your life then, right? Where, where on the one hand, you have all these trauma and these losses. And on the other hand, you, you sort of start your journey to discovering happiness, right? Being a party entertainer. Um, so how do you manage in that, that, that hard time to, to stay on the positive course, to really you know, still seek out happiness and to really have that, build that resilience in yourself to then bounce back stronger and not be devastated by that in this moment? 
Yeah, it's interesting because um, one of the programs that we run at the Flourishing Center is our Bounce Back Better program. And it's a, a set of resilience courses that people can take online, or we train resilience trainers that can that, um, bring this work into organizations, into schools and other places. And when I created this program, I intentionally called it the Bounce Back Better program and not just Bounce Back. And, and that's because the research shows that most people actually are resilient when they face circumstances. We hear a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder and we hear about people who go through life circumstances and they, they suffer, they struggle. And the disorder piece of it is when you, the stress gets so bad that people can't, don't function as well as they did before the stress. Then there's resilience, which is you get back to your normal, your, your baseline. And research shows that most people are actually resilient. Most people do bounce back. Um, and so it's, and, and the focus of the Bounce Back Better system is not just necessarily teaching people to be ready to handle those major life traumas that come, because what research shows is usually during those circumstances, we have an innate instinct that snaps into place. It's like, we know what to do. We just, we jump into action. It can actually be very difficult for some people who've been through traumatic life events because sometimes they report those as their peak life experiences of actually times where they were at their best where they weren't worrying about their future they were just in the moment doing what needed to be done and so a lot of the resilience that i focus on is not actually those those circumstances that are are most difficult it's actually the day-to-day -day nuances of daily stress of of worries, of judgments, of unknowns, of uncertainties, of overwhelm, of overwork, of vulnerability. Those are a lot of the things that we actually need to learn resilience skills for. Um, and so when I was 14 years old, you know, I can't really tell you that it was I was executing any one particular strategy, but now I, at the time, right? But looking back on it, I can say that I definitely made certain conscious efforts. For example, um, I knew that I, I had a very limited perspective on my own capacity. You know, my brother was the smart one in our family. Mm -hmm. And I was the one who, you know, was never as smart as my brother. Mind you, my brother was 10 years older than me, but uh, he loved to read books. And I really wasn't so studious. I really wasn't into school. And I was kind of like already too cool for school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when and when he died, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, I need, I need to make a, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do what he couldn't do, you know, make my brother proud, invest myself into my, my academics in a way that, you know, I just hadn't really, I'd been too afraid to before or too vulnerable to before. So that was, you know, part of what we now know helps people grow from traumatic events and, and have what we call post-traumatic growth, which is you use the trauma to create a source of meaning and purpose. Um, there were just also things that, that I just did naturally that we know help people be more resilient, such as pouring myself into my family and wanting to think about, you know, it's, you don't just think about yourself, it's you think about your mother and your father who are struggling and suffering as well. And good thing, bad thing, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to add more to their, their pain already, you know, so 
it definitely led to stuff that I had to work through as an adult because it was like, you know, as a kid, I, I always had to have my shit together because I didn't want to overburden my parents who had already been through so much. But it also gave me a sense of being more focused on on the other, on being on being of service. And I learned later on when I went to go study positive psychology that so much of our well-being depends on our thoughts and our belief systems and the lens through which we see the world. And I really started to learn all of those lessons at a very young age that we have our own stories. Um, the big one really happened for me when I was 16. And uh, I, after having had thrown birthday parties and sweet 16s and mm -hmm. bar and bat mitzvahs for dozens and hundreds of people at that point, I decided to throw myself a 16th birthday party, a sweet 16. And this visceral memory of dancing with my father for my sweet 16 dance. And my father, who probably had a little too much vodka in him, <laughs> given our Russian background, um, at some point started started crying. And you know, and I hadn't seen my father cry since my my brother's funeral. Wow. Um, and he started crying, and he said to me, "You know, had I never had I never chosen to immigrate our family to America, you know, Alex, my brother, would still be here." And, and there I am dancing with my dad going, oh my gosh, dad, like, how can you think that? That's like, of course, it's not your fault that Alex died. And, you know, we couldn't have prevented it. And I realized that we all had our own stories. Like my father took on this story around his passing. And I had taken on the story that, you know, if I hadn't convinced my parents to go on vacation, then he wouldn't have been there that night. And they wouldn't have gone swimming. And my brother would still be here. And his fiance took on the story that, you know, had, had she not been swimming, that he wouldn't have needed to go in to rescue her. And, and so again, those like very early on just made me realize as a, as a child, I was like, wow, like we create our own stories. We create our own realities. And, and none of these stories are true. So if, if these are stories I'm creating, where else am I creating a story? And taking control of our stories, recognizing that our brain creates our own reality is a huge part of resilience. It's a huge part of what I do as a coach, as a speaker, is I help people tune into what is their mind chatter and what are their thoughts and how are their thoughts reflective of their beliefs? Because our thoughts that we repeat often become beliefs, beliefs that we repeat often become mental schemas and frameworks for which we see the world. And most people never question their beliefs and they never question whether or not the story they're telling them is actually helping them show up in the world the way they want to or if it's harming them. Wow, I love that because if you want to bounce back better, like you said, from any kind of trauma in your life, then it's really those stories, right, that, that actually allow you to do that. It's those stories that we tell ourselves of whether we're good enough or not, right, whether we are capable or not, whether we're smart enough or not, beautiful enough or not. And I see it so many times when I work with people just like you, like it's like it's these stories that we've had on our head oftentimes for years and decades and never really taken the time to actually examine them and look at them and be like, does this actually make sense, right? Like, is it really your fault, right? What happened there? No, it's not, right? But it's like you, you tell yourself that story and oftentimes if we don't actually examine those stories, then it's so easy to just keep running it in our head, right? Without ever questioning, like, does this actually make sense? And mostly, does it actually serve me in my life to, to actually move me forward? So I think that is really powerful what you just said. Now I want to dive a little bit deeper into, into well-being and actually a model that you developed, PERMA-V, which I think is, is a great way to really look at your happiness and really understand where happiness actually comes from. So can you share a little, a little bit about that and about those different parts of happiness that we can actually really sort of like building blocks, bring together and take a look at our happiness and really judge what can I do to really become happy and thrive more in my life? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, PERMA is a model that was created by the founder of the field of positive psychology, Dr. Martin Seligman. It came from his work in authentic happiness, where he first identified that there were certain approaches that people took to finding happiness, authentic happiness, not just momentary, like, oh, I feel happy, you brought me flowers today, or the sun <laughs> is out, I'm in a good mood, but an authentic sense of well-being. And so the model used to be positivity, engagement, and meaning were pathways, P-E-M, to well-being. And I'll, I'll go over all of those in a moment. Um, and, and after the research, he actually added on relationships and achievement to his model, um, kind of expanding how, through from the science, how people actually approach and, and increase their well-being. And then when I was studying with positive psychology, I had already had a huge background in movement and uh, uh, importance of well-being, especially with all of the, the health stuff I went through with my mother. And I felt that his model was missing something, which is not just positive emotions and engagement, relationships, a sense of meaning and purpose and achievement, but there is this piece around the physical body as being its own pathway to flourishing. So I created the model of PERMA-V, which is the foundation for how we train all of our positive psychology practitioners and all of our coaches and all of our trainers learn not just the mind piece of well-being, but also the body piece, because my PhD work is in mind-body medicine, and the two are not separated. There's so much more integration happening between psychology, between medicine, looking at how things impact our brain, our digestive system, um, our, all of our organs, our tissues, and those are essential parts of well-being as well. And so the one way of thinking about PERMA-V as a model is that we can think of them as pathways, or sometimes people call them pillars, but I really like to think about them as pathways. You know, there's no one route to happiness and well-being. And most of these things are very much entangled with one another, but it does give you an opportunity to first give yourself an assessment. So for those of you listening, I'm just going to start off PERMA-V as, as a self-assessment and ask you, on a day-to-day -day basis, how much positivity would you say you experience? And that means not just how much positive emotion have I experienced just being happy and feeling good, but we can also say on a day-to-day -day basis, how much do you net more positive? Meaning you're gonna feel frustrated, you're gonna feel angry, you're gonna feel worried. There will be things that trigger you, that push your buttons, you're gonna feel bored, you're gonna feel overwhelmed. But if your experience of all those negative emotions outweighs your frequency and intensity of feeling grateful and connected and excited and calm and focused and strong and centered, then you're not netting positive. So P in PERMA-V refers to your overall experience of positive emotions. And we have skills and strategies for working with our negative emotions so they're not so sticky, they don't impact us for as long. And we have skills and strategies for building our positive emotions and actually infusing our day with more sweetness, with more gratitude, with more positivity. E refers to engagement. So I ask those of you listening is on a day-to-day -day basis, how deeply engaged do you feel with what you're doing? How many opportunities do you get to get into a state of flow where you feel really absorbed in your work? How often do you get in the zone? And, and athletes that are listening to this know that feeling. It's, it's a very familiar feeling where it's like time stops and you're just totally at one with what you're doing. 
but we can also say how many opportunities of engagement do you feel throughout the day of how mindful are you? How present are you when you're with your children? How present are you within a conversation? How present are you when you're eating? Are you engaged with what you're putting into your body? You're just kind of shoveling food into your mouth. Engagement looks at how frequently are we present with our world and with our life. And again, we can do things to increase our mindfulness. We can become more engaged. We can identify at work. Do I get to use my strengths at work? Because when I use my strengths, I just, I naturally feel more engaged with what I'm doing. So that's the E. The R of PERMA-B is about the quality of your connections and your relationships. So again, people can ask themselves, how much do I feel like in my day-to-day life, I've got a sense of community. I have my tribe. I have people that I can turn to that are, are my people, that people who understand me, places where I feel like I belong. Do I have a family or, or a unit that I feel connected to? You know, very much for me, my friends are my, my family and um, I'm not very close with my immediate family, but I, I have this, straight, this sense of camaraderie that is like a brother and sisterhood to the people closest to me. Um, and, and we know that we face an epidemic of loneliness in our culture, that we have more ways of being connected than ever before, and yet we have far more disconnection than ever before. And so you look at this relationship piece and you say, how much am I being fed in my connections? Do I have people with whom I can feel like I can be vulnerable with, that I can turn to for support, that I can celebrate life with? And again, there are pathways to say, if the answer is no, that we can enhance the quality of our connections with listening skills, with connection, with doing things with one another. Um, And we can also look at what are the obstacles of communication skills that oftentimes people lack and don't know how to take those good relationships and make them great. And relationships also refer not just to your immediate circle of, of the people who are in your life, but it's also how are you relating to the outside world and the people around you, which leads to the next uh, PERMA-BE module in our program, but also a pathway, which is meaning and purpose. So one of the places that we derive our sense of meaning and purpose from is from our relationships. So having those high quality connections can often give people a sense of meaning and purpose. And so we ask people to consider how much meaning do you have in your life? How meaningful are your experiences, are the connections that you have? And meaning is something that we can, on the one hand, make meaning, make sense of our life, and make our life more meaningful. And then also think about how we connect with the world at large. So meaning can also be our sense of spirituality or transcendence. And and things that are beyond ourselves, so not just within my my family unit and my immediate circle, but how do I connect with something that is so meaningful, it is beyond me. Achievement uh, refers to how much do people feel like they are able to get the things that they want out of life, that they're able to set goals, create habits, and do the things that they want to do. If you feel like you're constantly, you know, setting goals that you don't meet so much so that you give up even trying to make a change, you're not going to feel as happy and as fulfilled as somebody who maybe knows the science of habit change and knows how to say, hey, I want things to be different. You know, essentially coaching is about helping people bridge a gap between where they are in their life and where they want to be and how to help them achieve those things. So Achievement is all about identifying what are those gaps in people's lives and how do we 
help them create more fulfillment, create more self-efficacy, feel their own inner power that they can impact their life positively. They can do the things that they want to do. And if you feel like you're, you're falling short there, you're not going to feel as flourishing as somebody who's actually making those positive changes. And then vitality. And so vitality refers to our physical health and well-being and having a thriving body that's a home for a thriving mind. And anyone who's, who's listening to this that's ever been injured or living with chronic pain will know it is very hard to feel like you're flourishing when you are in pain, when your body is, is hurting. And so when we look at vitality, we look at the pathways of how do we nourish and nurture our body, not just to prevent dis-ease, but actually to achieve a state of high-level wellness, a state where your cells are flourishing, are thriving, that you have vitality, um, which refers to having energy available to yourself to do the things that you want to do, to have the energy to run after your children, to have the energy to put a strong workout in and to feel like you are giving your body what it needs. And many people who just teach PERMA, I think, miss this essential piece to the fact that our body is wired with an innate wisdom, with an innate intelligence that makes them want to move, that makes us want to move towards uh, eating foods that are good for us, to drinking, to sleeping, to taking care of ourselves. The body knows what it needs to do, how to take really great care of itself, and oftentimes we need to create the conditions in order to support it. So those are different pathways, and you can actively take on practices to say, hey, this pillar is lower than this one, or I'm missing some of this in my life. And the thing about Perma B is that they're all buildable traits and characteristics, and they inform one another. So as I build, as I boost my positivity, I am likely to just attract more people who want to be around me because we want to be around happy people. As I have greater meaning and purpose in my life, I'm able to drive my achievement and my accomplishment because I'm likely to set goals that have a strong sense of why and purpose. Um, so these things are all interconnected, but we can also build them individually. Wow, thank you for sharing that. So what I really love about the Perma B model is it gives you almost this building set for happiness, right? With all of these different pathways that you can take. And the great thing about it is for all the listeners here is it's not rocket science, right? Like most of these things, things, basic things, like you mentioned, especially the vitality part of sleeping, right? Of exercising, of just getting the right nutrition, right? Most of us kind of know how to do it, right? Maybe not perfectly, but you can always take the next step towards it, right? We'll always know some kind of way to improve. And like you say, each area fuels each other. So when you improve the vitality aspect, for example, everything else in your life is going to get easier because you just have more energy, you just have more, more power really to take control of your day and take control of the other aspects as well. So I really love that. And thank you for sharing that so in detail, really, how we can take a look at all these different pathways to happiness and really take control of them and bring them in our lives. On the show, we always love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to success. So in your own life, do you have a favorite failure in your life that, that actually allowed you to grow as a person and actually become better because of it? Ah, favorite failure. It's hard because I, can, I can't point to something that I haven't already reframed, you know, part, part of the, the, <laughs> No, which the, is the greatest thing, right, if you reframe that, it. But. Which is, yeah, it's like, it's like a, it's never a failure so long as you learn 
from it, right? Or like if I can curse on the show, it's like a fuck up, right? Like yeah. all the things that I've <laughs> fucked up that that I've learned from and grown from. Um, there's just there's just so many um, that that it's 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 really hard to say. I mean, I, I'll always there's there's projects that I've taken risks on that just don't work out, but again, I never see them as a failure. You know, I, I will say like my, like right now on our website, it's just like silly to say that this is a failure, but it, we, we finally have a practitioner directory of a place where the students who've gone through our program are able to list themselves as, as a practitioner. And that was like four times, of, you know, four times of trying <laughs> massive projects that invested a ton of resources into just trying to make a directory where people can find wow. one another, which is actually like a difficult thing to build. You know, it's like silly things like that, but I can say, you know, they, they can become points of frustration and make you really overwhelmed. And for me, I would just say, well, I, I sort of more the, uh, the, um, the approach of, you know, I just learned three ways that didn't work to build a directory as opposed to like, I failed three times at trying to do it. Um, I, yeah, it's just, there, there's so few things that I can say that I actually named them to be a failure. It's because again, if I, 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 I can't help but learn from the things that I, I learned, um, you know, like times where I did something stupid and I wound up injured, like I tore my ACL and I wasn't able to move my body for a while, or I, um, a, a lot of it, it was, I would say that like, there were things that I just started, but because I have such a deeply ingrained belief in me that you know, if something didn't get done, it wasn't meant to get done. If something, uh, if something didn't happen, it was in the greater service of all. I think I really internalized uh, the late Steve Jobs saying that you you can't connect the dots forward in life just backwards and so so much of that I think is a mindset so I I usually am able to look back on things that I've done and say okay well you know I'm grateful that thing that it didn't work out because that door closing opened another door um and because so much of what I try to do on a day-to-day -day basis is just try to find the path of alignment in the in my in my action so I follow the pleasure principle of what do, what do I feel like my intuition tells me I want to do what feels good to do right now and trusting that so long as I just follow that, I'm acting in alignment with the universe mm -hmm. of, of where I'm meant to be. So it's really hard. Um, and I, and I don't want to, I'm struggling cause I don't want to give you a cop out answer and be like, I've never failed in my <laughs> life. Um, it's just, it's like, those aren't even words that I use because anything that I've, I've messed up, I've always tried to learn from, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I yeah. love that because part of the reason I always ask this question every single guest on the show is because what I find over and over again is that all of these people that, you know, seem to have their lives perfectly in order have also quote unquote failed. However, they, you know, reframe it. And what I found is like you, they always reframe it in a way that it's not like a failure. It's not something bad, but it's actually, like I said, like a stepping stone to success, right? It's an opportunity for them to grow and to evolve and to actually become a better version of themselves. And so that's why I always love this question because it's just, always what I see over and over again and successful people and unhappy people is they've learned to reframe it over time into something that actually serves them rather than something that, that pulls them down. Yeah. And I would say that part of it is also like a true attempt at surrendering and not having, not being wedded to expectations. Like for example, uh, my undergraduate class, I, I did my bachelor's in psychology and I minored in art, business and philosophy. And I was nominated for valedictorian, but I wow. didn't get it. 
Um, and so would you say, was that a failure? Was it a failure that I, you know, I had a 3.98 GPA, but if only <laughs> I had so a bad, minus <laughs> in class, then I would have been a four, a four O and then I would have gotten it. Like I failed. I didn't get that. Like, I didn't think of that at all. Like I was grateful that I was nominated. Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's, I think so much of our naming something a failure is because we're really wedded to our expectations. And I do very much try to catch my brain when it's setting myself up for expectations because expectations just set you up for, for disappointment because, you know, you never get it perfect. It, work is never done. So I think that that is one of the things that I tried to, to implement even, and then just a real true belief in the wholeness and perfection of life. Like, you know, failed relationships, for example, like people will say, oh, I'm so sorry, it didn't work out between you and such and such. And I always say, it, it worked out. It worked mm-hmm. out great. We, we, we had a great experience together. We learned, we lived life together, and we weren't meant to be, you know, a long-term partnership. Otherwise, it, it would have happened, right? So it's like, it's such a, it's a story that, that I found very frequently, I would say to people, like, I don't want to take on that story, the story of it didn't work out as your story and it's not my story. It, it always works out as it's meant to is the belief that I hold. Yeah. I love that because I think part of what gets people into trouble is they, they tend to seek these permanent states of perfection, right? Meaning they want their life to be perfect. And then they think they go, it's going to stay like this forever. But I think the, the only constant in life that we have is this change, right? Like things are going to involve for the better or for the worse. And so just realizing that, realizing that life is never going to be perfect, quote unquote, and that there's always going to be struggles and ups and downs. It's just part of life. And you've got to learn to enjoy that. Now, before we wrap it up today, we've talked a lot about happiness and flourishing. What brings you personally the most happiness in life? Mm, gosh, so much. Um, I mean, the first and foremost is just living a life of service because, you know, this is, this is what I've been put on this world and this planet to do is just so... Uh, any way that I can, I can be of service, whether that be to my immediate friends and, and family and the people closest to me, um, being of service, helping, loving, being present for the people I care about, um, serving our community, our community of practitioners that have gone through our program, um, and, and the, the broader flourishing center community, just being able to serve people's happiness and growth. Um, so great sense of meaning. Um, and then also things that I, that bring me a sense of engagement, things that I delight in. So it brings me a lot of joy to, to do my work because I get to create experiences for people. So, um, I, I often refer to myself as a, uh, an edutainer because that entertainer in me that was present in, in childhood is still very, very present in that. I just, I love creating experiences for people whether it be bringing people together for a, a dinner at, at my home where I get to give them an experience or a full training program that's a six-month journey that our students go through of personal transformation that, that enable them to do this work with others, crafting those sort of experiences. It's, it's still service, but it, it uses my creativity. And so, you know, I, I'd like to say I'm an artist at heart and so the, the creation process of of creating things that that are then utilized for other people's well-being. And then the third is just all my self-care practices. So so taking really great care of, of my body, whether that be through physical activity and exercise to massage and body work to just, you know, 
taking taking care of this this gift I've been given this suit that's a, a that's a, a placeholder for my soul uh, so that I can do all those other things um, brings me a great sense of, of happiness and, and well-being as well absolutely love that now before I ask my final question where can listeners connect with you online what's your favorite social media platforms websites whatever it is yeah, definitely check us out at theflourishingcenter.com. Uh, a great place to enter this work would be to take our, uh, we offer a quiz on there that's called the 5i Change Agent Quiz. Um, a really great place to start because if you're listening to this and you're dedicated to wanting to help make the world a better place, it's a really great quiz to take to find out which of our five types of change agents are you. Um, so that's a really great kind of entryway into our work because when you can identify what type of change agent you are, you can identify what else you might want to learn and take on that will help you express yourself in the world. And we're on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And the hesitation in my voice is like, there's someone else on <laughs> my team who does all of that. I <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we'll, we'll link all like, to that. I'll, I'll find all the yeah. links. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know we're out there. This is everywhere, probably. Yeah. Okay. Time. Perfect. Perfect. And we have a podcast as well. So that's always a fun way. We put out two, two episodes a week that teach the science of flourishing. That's the Flourishing Center podcast. Fantastic. Love that. Now, final question. What does mental mastery mean to you? Oh, love mental mastery. We have a whole program, uh, four modules on mental mastery in, in the Bounce Back Better system. Um, for me, mastering your mind is the ability to identify your thoughts in real time and to be able to choose thoughts that are useful and to redirect your thoughts when they're not useful. And that involves being able to quiet your mind and to be able to utilize the power of your mind to create more of what you want in your life. So there's multiple, multiple avenues to it. And one of the models that we teach um, is a model of mastery that can go for mental mastery, emotional mastery, physical mastery, or social mastery, which is awareness enables compassion, enables care. So mental mastery needs first an awareness of your mind. And then compassion which means kind of understanding where is this chatter coming from where is this worry coming from where is the judgment coming from and then being able to have tools to care for your mind actually being able to replace one thought with another thought to stop the flow of thoughts altogether or to intentionally put in the types of thoughts that are going to be of service to manifest and create what you want to create absolutely love that thank you so much my pleasure thanks for having me max all right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this, you know, passively just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. 
You know, if you have a family member, friend, a loved one maybe that you think could benefit from this content, please consider, you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.